Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back into the Doghouse, your meeting place to talk Mississippi State Bulldog Athletics here on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm your host, David Murray. It's a Friday evening here in Startville, a little after 7 o'clock, and I should be at Humphrey Coliseum at halftime by all rights. Instead, the Bulldog basketball game with Missouri was delayed from a 6 o'clock start time to 8.30. So I'm not at the hump, so there'll be no report on basketball tonight. Uh, a very key game, obviously, for Ben Howland, not just for the season, but probably for his even coaching future at this point. But enough about basketball for now. We'll leave that until later in the weekend. Of course, Mississippi State does have a return game with Missouri on Sunday in Columbia. Meanwhile, we have a return game tomorrow with Long Beach State, second game in a three-game series. And the Bulldogs will be looking to tie things up after Long Beach State came in and shut down, shut out the Diamond Dogs. 3-0 on opening day. Now, this is not the first time, obviously, that Mississippi State has been blanked on opening day, much less lost. It wasn't that long ago, 2018, when Southern Miss uh, put an 11-0 hurting on the Dogs in their very first game and swept the series. Don't expect that happened here. I certainly don't expect to have the chaos that followed that sweeping in 2018 occur. But I wouldn't mind at all if this team duplicates what that 18 bunch did by finishing their season in Omaha again. That's a long, long ways away. But I'll say this, if Landon Sims is able to keep duplicating every SEC weekend what he did here on opening day weekend, I think the Bulldogs are off to a very good start in that regard as pitching. Obviously, that was the highlight of the day. When you're shut out 3 nothing. you're pitched well enough to win. And Landon Sims certainly pitched well enough to win. Now, he did give up one run, so officially his first start as a Diamond Dog goes down as a loss. In every other sense, though, it was a success for Sims, for pitching coach Scott Foxhall, and coach Chris Lamonis as well. I'll leave it to a couple of dogs to talk about uh, how good he was, including the one who catches him. Logan Tanner, who got to catch Sims all last year in that relief role, just talked about how well he threw the ball, just thought that he really looked good as a starter. He was just dialed in. He, he looked every bit as comfortable doing that as he did coming out of the bullpen for his previous season. Uh, Coach Chris Lamontis was happy with him. He talked about the fact that he was really good, really, really good, and he probably went a little farther than the coaching staff intended. Now, not pitch-wise. He stayed within his pitch count. He stopped at 81 pitches. It was the inning count, seven. Now, I know that can be a little confusing there. I go back to something that a former baseball coach turned athletic director used to like to say, that strikeouts are inefficient. Well, Mississippi State has been a strikeout pitching staff since Scott Foxhall arrived, and they certainly did last year setting an all-time NCAA staff record for strikeouts with over 800 and three dogs with over 100 themselves. Well, today... Landon Sims started his next campaign and his career as a starter with 13 strikeouts. Now, he had 10 twice last season, and both, in fact, on the first two weekends of the season. Yeah, 10 in four innings against Texas in a relief role, then 10 in 3.2 innings the next weekend against Tulane, also in a relief role. So he has gone out there and mowed down guys before coming out of the pen. The difference is now he's doing it as the starter. Talking to Sims after the game, he said the oddest part about it to him was not the preparation, not getting ready, not towing the rubber with nothing on the scoreboard, anything like that. 
He said his biggest difficulty was reminding himself what inning it was. Something was never a concern when you're there in the seventh, eighth, ninth. You know what it is. He said when you come back to the dugout, he had to look at the board to remind himself what the inning count because he lost track. And really, that's a good sign, too, because it means the guy's making the transition to being a starter, a starter mentality. In his own words, he says, I think I pitched well. Uh, You think? 13 strikeouts on 81 pitches? And you faced a total of 25 batters, and you put those guys down? No walks. To me, that may be the most impressive stat of all. Zero walks out of the 25 guys he faced. And the one run he gave up, yep, it was legit. It was a home run. Uh, He talked about the batter ambushed a fastball. Now, by that point, Sims had lost a lot of velocity. And this is where we get into Lamonis talking about possibly leaving him out there too long. But to begin the game, goodness, 94 miles per hour in his first pitch, which was fouled off, by the way, but still counts as a strike. So if you're keeping track there, 96 to end that inning, 96 to end the second inning as well. He was averaging consistently 92 to 96 through his first four frames. And then he started working a few more things in as he started to run out of gas. He still was a hair away from getting out of that last inning, even though he was down to the mid-80s. He struck out consecutive batters on 84. He was starting to get some fly balls as well, though, which might have been a little bit of an alert point. And then he just he able to amp it up. He comes back with probably the best fastball he had available at the time, 92 miles per hour, puts it right down the chute, and has to watch it just barely clear the right field fence. In in Sims' own words, give credit to the 49er batter. I know, I call him 49er still. Give credit to the batter for ambushing. That was the word Sims used, ambushing the fastball and knocking it out. But Sims, even in his own mind, he said he pitched well enough in the game, he just didn't pitch well enough to win, which he said is the only stat that matters. Um, Coach Lamonis talked about how he was irritated. Sims, not the coach to be taken out of the game, but only because he'd given up a run. He knew he was reaching the end of his pitch count for opening day. And Sim said, in his own words, there's no use trying to pitch nine innings on February 18th when there's so much season left. That's the key. You look at a guy with a closer mentality, and he was one of the nation's best last year. How do you translate that into a starting mentality where you have to dial back the aggression every pitch because in the relief role, everything is just all the pressure in the world. Starting, not the same. The pressure's there, but the pressure is different. I thought Sims did beautifully in that regard. He paced himself. His fastballs had some decent movement on at times. In fact, um, watching the replay in one of his 96-mile-per-hour strikeouts, it had a huge late break, but it still broke so late that the batter had no choice but swing and miss at it, even if this ball got away. Now, maybe the scouting reports start going with the teams and start they start thinking okay if you're not sure it's got a chance of breaking out maybe you can lay off on him whereas in a relief role you don't lay off it but I've got an answer for that one Sims talked about how he's going to start mixing some more things in he didn't have to today because Long Beach State was helping him out by chasing the fastball but he did throw a change a little bit more but he said he will go to his change up and then after that go to his slider when people prove first they can hit the fastball which, with one exception today, they sure as heck didn't. He said, and this is another sign of the guy's maturity, even he's a, a sophomore in college, when he says it defeats the purpose if you start throwing stuff right now when you don't need to. Only when the necessity comes, and that's going to become SEC season, certainly, do you go to those second or third pitches. 
So now here's the big challenge for Landon. What do you do on Saturday and Sunday of a weekend when you know you're not going to throw? I mean, his existence all last season was unless you threw a ton on Friday night, you came to the ballpark on Saturday thinking, I may have a chance to throw. Same thing on Sunday. Now he knows he's done for the weekend. He knows he's done until next Friday, in fact. So what's he going to do? Well, he's still going to be a rah-rah guy in the dugout, but he's going to become a coach as well. He's, he told us he's talking to KC Hunt now, who's going to be tomorrow's starter, as much as KC will let him talk. And then Landon thought a second and said, well, we live together, so it's pretty easy to talk to him, you reckon. So KC is going to get the benefit of some real inside coaching, not just how to handle the game, because, you know, KC, who's thrown some before, but still, he's starting now on a weekend series. He's going to get some top-rank advice from a guy who's been there, and specifically, a scouting report on the 49er batting order. Now, they didn't hit the ball all that well either. You know, they ended up with seven base hits, yes, but two or three of them were just balls that somehow snuck into fair ground. Uh, a couple of question marks, maybe one that could have been played a little bit better, and then the obvious big shot. But still, State probably, at the worst, they could, should have come out there with a one nothing loss. Still a loss, but they, they had talked about Parker Stinnett being such a really good reliever in preseason. Well, he struggled a little bit this first time out. He faced five batters. He gave up two hits, ended up two runs, both earned, walked a batter of the seven guys he faced. So, I'm sorry, yes, seven guys faced. I'm looking at the stat sheet and made sure I write, got the right column. Only last 23 pitches, and they brought in Stone Simmons for a three strikeout, no problems, ninth inning. By then, of course, the dogs are already down too far, and, and pitching can't make up for that. So, Coach Lamonis had talked about how well Stanette had been throwing in there, said most improved guy probably on the staff. And I'm not going to judge him too harshly off this one outing any more than I'm going to judge too promisingly for Simmons off just this one outing. It's that early in the season. Now, let's try to translate that to the batting order. That's a little tougher. I'm going to give Luis Ramirez all the credit he deserves. And boy, does he deserve a lot. He wasn't going to try to match Sims' velocity, but he matched it with some good fastballs, some, just some good stuff that moved a lot. He only struck out five, only five, in six innings. That's seen as only because you're comparing it to a guy who fanned 13 and from the other order. But he was able to no-hit the Bulldogs. He faced 20 batters, did not give up a single hit, only gave up a couple of decent contacts, as we mentioned, one of them being a a stroke by Cameron James that eh, for a moment we thought had a chance to get out of the park because that's where the previous home run had been hit. It ended up just a little bit short, caught on, on a string right at the wall. Otherwise, you just look down the box score there. Uh, R.J. Yeager moved in the, uh, the tran Mercer transfer who moves into the leadoff spot over four. James over four. Luke Hancock over three. Logan Tanner over three. Well, so was the rest of the lineup with the exception of your new DH, Hunter Hines. The problem was his one hit, the one hit of the ball game for the Bulldogs, he drops a single in left field and inexplicably at the time to our eye makes the big turn and keeps going for second, even as the throw is already bound for second base. No chance at all. He realized it too late and he's out. Now, Coach Lamona said later it was a he just did not pick up where the ball was landing. He wasn't able to keep an eye on the left fielder, so he went more on his own. It wasn't anything the first base coach did. So live and learn. 
you hate to see that first hit get away from you as an out because maybe it starts cracking to Ramirez, maybe not. Long Beach State still came back with a couple of batters. Uh, Matt Fields gave up the hit to Hines. And uh, Devereaux Harrison, boy, that sounds like a name that should be playing in the SEC Western Division, is able to finish off the game. But give Ramirez credit for getting the victory. And even in defeat, give Sims credit because he looked every inch an SEC starter. So all the message board talk now is going to be about the batting order. And there were no big surprises. Well, maybe having Hines in the DH slot was, but he hit some balls well in preseason. Kellum Clark now hitting in the six hole. He was 0 for 2 officially. He did draw a walk. And uh, there was a chance there in the middle innings when Ramirez got, went to full count and was able to get a swing and strike out. Full count, walks Clark. Brad Cummins comes up and strikes out. You know, uh, he was 0 for 3, all three of them fannings there. And so that's... He, the outfield situation, Kumba started in left and um, Braylon Skinner starting in center. So you knew those guys were going to be probably interchangeable as positions. What do you do now? Well, maybe there was a clue because late in the game, uh, Drew McGowan was sent in to pinch hit for Braylon Skinner. Uh, did not get a hit, struck out in fact, but McGowan's a guy that, you know, during the preseason you're thinking, here's somebody who can make a run at one of those open outfield positions. So, by the way, Kellum Clark is the starting right fielder. So, that didn't happen. Also, later in the game, you had a pinch hitter, Von Siebert, who saw that one coming. Well, you would have seen it coming that somebody was going to pitch hit for Lane Forsythe, who, again, officially 0 for 1, also drew a walk in the game, wasn't making contact any more than his teammates were. So, you look at those guys and think, okay, what can you do now? Well, you do what you read off preseason. You don't make panicky moves after one game, even in a game where you're shut out in one hit because you see these guys practice all the time. That said, I fully expect Jake Gotro to start working some different combinations and not because of how this game turned out or the lack of hitting. It's just what they were going to do already. There are several more guys that need to get their chances to swing out there. The only way you can do that is to put them in the lineup. What do you do? Do you mix and match? Well, here's the question, though. It's okay to do that with Sims out there now that he's settled in. Now you're going to have Casey Hunt and Cade Smith pitching. Besides the fact that you've got the absolute security blanket of Logan Tanner sitting behind home plate, and yes, he gunned another batter, someday people are going to learn, just don't bother running on him. Although that would be not very entertaining. We certainly like to see him shoot these guys down who try to dance off first base and take off for second. But after that... What do you do defensively to keep your pitchers confident? Because you, you want them to roll ground balls. But if they're going to roll ground balls, they've got to trust that the defensive guys are going to make the plays behind them. So it's one of those balancing acts that coaches always have to deal with. Offense, defense, all has to work together there and to support the pitching especially when you've got guys that are a new pitching staff for all intents and purposes in so many ways. So that's what they pay those guys to do. That's what I'm certainly expecting them to do. So I'll be very interested to see tomorrow's lineup. We'll certainly throw it up there as quickly as we can on jeanspage.com and so does their social media. Uh, Two o'clock start time as well as Mississippi State tries to square the series. Other takeaways from today's game, the crowd. Any of you listening to this who were in the crowd today, I tip my hat. Well, I'm not actually wearing one right now because I have this headsets on, but you get the idea. I tip my hat for you showing up today, not because it was uh, 
tough to show up. Yeah, it's cool, but it was sunny. But you were part of a record. Now, Polk Dement Stadium, in all its fashions, owns more records than all the other conference stadiums probably combined. Maybe even all the stadiums in the country combined, as far as attendance goes. But when over 10,000, to be exact, 10,223, show up on opening day, mid-February, yes, this was the defending national champions being celebrated. The banner looks great out there. The sign on the wall looks great out there. But it's a new team. And people still showed up in great numbers for an early afternoon Friday start. Well, I tell you what, Mississippi State done itself proud today because you fans make it all possible. You make it all fun. Thank you for showing up today. Come on back tomorrow and bring a few more friends and let's attack another record out there. But over 10,000 on opening day for a non-conference ball game. You've got to love that. That is the other story. And I asked Chris Lamonis after the game what he thought about that, and he just he just went on about the great support you have, that it's they're playing a good team in Long Beach State, who defeated the Dogs two years ago, by the way. He talked about how great the fans were. Logan Tanner said, we love the fans. That was awesome. Then, and here's the key to it, here's a veteran dog talking for your benefit, and he truly meant it. He said, we need to come out tomorrow and perform better, and I think we're going to do that. He was talking about his team, yes, but he said this talking about the fans because they want to reward all the fans for coming there and supporting them. Never forget at Mississippi State, yes, they play for themselves. Yes, they play for the fans as well because that is very much part of this program. You know, talking about this series as well, Lamonis made a comment that if you think you have a good team, you want to play the best. Well, they think they're going to be a good team this year, so they're playing a very good Long Beach State team. And in his own words, as he wrapped up his press conference, he said, it's going to be a pretty intense weekend the rest of the way. Good. That's how we like it here. Sure, it'd be fun to roll over a lightweight and pile up a couple of quick, easy Ws, but that's not the Diamond Dog way, the way the program is structured now. Come out, play a good team, play to win. If you don't, learn something from it that you could take into the next series and keep on learning because, as always, we're a month away from Southeastern Conference baseball play. So that's our Game 1 wrap-up from Duty Noble Field. We'll be talking to you again after the series is over. Uh, Once again, we'll not be covering tonight's basketball game. Uh, But, boy, I'll be keeping track of it, sure, because as we discussed in our most recent doghouse before this one, a lot of pressure on the program, a lot of things in play. We'll see what happens. It's a must-win. Let's be blunt about that. An absolute must-win tonight and Sunday, too, for that matter, for that matter as well. Wednesday at South Carolina, Vanderbilt after that. State has got to win the next four games to have any hope of finishing 500 or possibly better in the SEC. Beyond that, postseason hopes are really clinging by a few uniform threads at the moment. So we'll have plenty of basketball to talk about coming in next week. But right now, it's all about the Diamond Dogs, all about opening weekend. Weather looks good for tomorrow. It's going to be warmer and then even warmer more on Sunday. So if you haven't made your plans yet, if you have a chance to get away, come on. Join us in the fun at Polk Dement Stadium as the Diamond Dogs get this season going. And we'll be talking about it to you, the podcast fans here on the Believe Network, From the Doghouse, this is your host, David Murray. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.